Okay, so um, last week we started a new series and we started to ask the question, how can we recognize God's direction in our life? And we looked at Romans 12 where uh, the Bible tells us that to be able to understand God's will in our lives, uh, we have to go through this transformation in our minds. We looked at the fact that God uh, uses these patterns to repeatedly begin to help us think the way God thinks and feel the way God feels and believe the things that God believes. And uh, it was good. I enjoyed sharing it, got some great feedback. But today we actually start the hard work of looking at what do these patterns actually look like. Some of the benefits we realized through different parts of the word are if we are able to test and approve God's will, then our prayers will become more effective. Our actions and service for him will become more anointed, which means things won't necessarily get easier, but what we do becomes more effective, and that our decisions will be clearer and less confusing. So um, today we're going to look at the first pattern, and I'm gonna, it's going to be a little bit different, so you have to forgive me. Hopefully you understand that. I find that people really have found this helpful, but I've never preached this as a sermon before, so we'll see how it goes. So give me a smile. Thank you. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray right now as we begin to uh, just really think about how you guide us, look at biblical examples, and begin to reflect on our journey and what you might be doing in our lives. Help us, we pray. Lord, just really have a clarity of thought. In your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Okay, so uh, the Bible says something interesting in Psalms. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path between, beneath me so that my ankles do not turn over. What I've noticed is sometimes as Christians, we often think, well, God is in the business of humbling us. We forget that God is also in the business of exalting us, which is a little bit odd. So um, my first girlfriend was a girl called Tracy. And when I was six years old, uh, Tracy took me into the big grass behind our house and she gave me my first ever kiss. I know, she was a bit of a, what we would call a woman in England. Um, anyway, so she gave me a first kiss. And then she asked me the, the question that all boys get asked at six years old, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I gave the stock answer for a kid in the late 60s, early 70s, I want to be a train driver, because that's what you wanted to do. Um, and then I said to her, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she said the immortal words, my mum's told me that when I grow up, I'm going to be a stripper. That's what she told me at six years old. And as mildly amusing as that is, when you think about it, it's pretty tragic. <laughs> when you think about it, that this girl that's six years old was told by her mum, you're probably going to be a stripper when you grow up. It's kind of it's like, a, I mean, it's funny, but it's also pretty sad. And yet here's God saying, I'm actually going to stoop down and make you great. So the Bible says he... Humbles the exalted, those who exalt themselves, but he exalts those who humble themselves. So God has a plan and a purpose in which not only is he great, but we are great. Why? So that we can glorify him, so that our story reflects how well he leads us. Uh, I have a friend I was with last night. We went for a meal last night with a friend who has a business, and his business is flourishing right now. And he was telling me some stories of how he's becoming quite influential in his kind of marketplace. Uh, and then how people are coming to his business, and they're seeing this culture of caring. And when they're asking the question, why do people care so much? He says, well, I'm a Christian. Uh, we have a Bible study. We do outreach. And he's sharing the story. And God is exalting him so that God will be exalted. 
So God has a plan, he has a purpose for us in which he's exalted, but bizarrely, God makes us great as well. The question is, how does that actually happen? Well, the second part of this verse says, you broaden the path beneath me. So this is where it's going to get a little bit odd because I'm going to start drawing diagrams. So I don't know if you've ever been given a dream. Let's put a D here for dream. If you've ever been given a dream, if God's ever put something in your heart or your mind and you think, I would love to do this for God. You know, I love to hear the story of Bob and Howard and Kerry and Yvonne as they tell us the story about uh, this community and their vision to have a church here from, from even before they started building it. It's great to have a dream that God gives us. What's your dream? Now, one of the problems is we think, oh, thank you. Uh, we think what's going to happen, one of the mistakes we make is we think what's going to happen is from our dream to the fulfillment of this dream, it's going to look like this. It's going to this straight path. And it's going to go straight there. We're going to go straight. So God says, well, you're going to be, I'm going to use you to heal the nations. You're going to be a healer. And you think, okay, well, that means I'm going to need to go to uh, nursing school or college. And then eventually I'm going to be a doctor. And what happens is we take what God says to us or what's in our heart. We attach it to the nearest thing we can think of that looks like that. And we think that's the dream. In actual fact, what normally happens, and I'll show you this in the word of God in a moment, is this. Let me just take this down, actually, I think. When I was at school, most kids got marks, like 1 out of 10 or 10 out of 10. I got little um, statements like, what is this, question mark, <laughs> just so you know. So I'm being brave here. So what normally happens is God gives us a dream, and then this kind of thing happens. In actual fact, our life seems to go almost away sometimes from the thing that God has actually given us to do and he kind of broadens our path and broadens our experience so when I was 23 24 years old um, God said to me you're going to reach um, you're, you're going to like be involved in missions I thought that means I'm going to be a missionary I came back to Manchester and wanted to reach into schools and reach people and the first thing my pastor gave me to do was he gave me to go and visit the old people in the church. And some of them were crazy. I remember going to one guy, and he would always like to pull his pants down to show me his latest ailments. He was called John. And uh, he, um, he, want, he was an older guy, so he kind of, at some point he'd lost the plot. And where we lived was quite a dangerous place. So I remember we went in once, my pastor went in once. He said, don't worry, pastor. God's protecting me. He's given me, he's given me a word of wisdom. <laughs> So he said, what do you mean? He's giving me those, I know what to do. So he said, come with me. And what he'd done is he'd got wires, plugged them into the electrics, and then stapled, not, um, sellotaped them to all these windows and electrocuted his windows. That's what he'd done. He's completely lost the plot. He was a really kind, lovely gentleman, but completely lost. And I had to go and visit these people. And I thought, why am I doing this? I thought you wanted me to go and reach young people. And the first job you give me is to go and reach old people. Another thing I used to hate doing was my pastor was... Um, um, he used to lead this organization of ministers and they would talk about constitutions and they would talk about legal things and, and it was incredibly boring. And he gave me the job of making the notes, putting them on a computer and sending them to everybody. So I would spend hours and hours and hours just taking notes of these incredibly boring meetings about the legal side of things and having to pass them on. I hated it and I couldn't understand it. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you feel like God's giving you a dream but things kind of go in a different direction from where you expect. 
That's what's happened to me for years and years and years. And all the things I didn't expect to be doing are the things I ended up doing. And then at some point, what happens is this. There's a turnaround, and we end up going towards more clearly what God has called us to do. But this bottom half of the diamond has actually given us all these experiences that we didn't know we needed to have. So when I, when I um, started to do what I do and lead an organization, everything started to make sense. The fact that I was, um, spent so much time working for older people and, and getting to know people in the congregation meant that I could ask them to be hosts and they would host our teams. The fact that I spent hours and hours on these boring minutes of these different church logistics meant that I understood churches that we were going to partner with as well. It was incredible. It was amazing for me. Um, one of the things he had me to do was, I, I remember spending two years every, I think it was a Thursday night, working through the constitution or the, the charity of our church. It was incredibly boring. It was the last thing I wanted to do. Now, we set up charities in all these different parts of the world, and because I understand the principles, it's actually quite easy. So what happens is we have this dream that God gives us. He has this fulfillment, but he knows all the things we're going to need to know that we don't realize right yet. And for a while, we think we're completely going off the rails. Um, in fact, sometimes what happens, if you imagine going this way, is you start to imagine an alternative vision. Well, maybe I got it wrong. Maybe I, it's, it's somewhere over here. I was with somebody yesterday uh, for lunch. They took me out and just something to do some mentoring with them. And he was in that situation right now. God had given him a dream, but things weren't pan out the way he expected. So he's now he's thinking, well, maybe, maybe I've got it wrong. Maybe it's something over here. Maybe it's different from what God said. But because we get distracted sometimes because things don't happen the way we expect them to happen. So is there any kind of biblical examples of this? Is there any way we can see this in the Bible? Absolutely. Probably the best part, probably the best place we could see this is Joseph the dreamer. If you've got your Bibles, please um, turn with me to Genesis 37. What we see here is God giving Joseph a dream. So Genesis 37, starting at verse 5, says this. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. It's not how he expected it to go. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. You kind of wonder, don't you think, you know, what was this guy thinking? Was he thinking he was going to go, hooray? I don't know what he was thinking. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream. And he told his brothers again, listen, I had another dream. And this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Now, most of us will know the story loosely of Joseph, but let's just look at the story of Joseph. He's given a dream. In fact, he gets given two dreams. They're both the same, 
and they're what uh, you'll, you'll uh, hear about in a minute. They're what actually are called um, simple um, symbolic dreams. He's given these specific types of dreams, and it's so obvious everybody understands the kind of point of the dream. You don't have to explain it, everybody sees it. And he's probably thinking, this is great. So I don't know. He was 17, maybe 16 years old. So maybe at that age, he's thinking, they're all going to go, great, this is God's will. Here you are. Here's the head of the household. I don't know what he was expecting. What happens, of course, is this. Things go the opposite way. So let me just take you through that journey just really quickly. So he gets a dream in Genesis 37, 6 to 7. And then he's sold into slavery. Seems to be going the exact opposite way of what God seems to be telling him. Have you ever, has that ever happened to you? You feel like God said something to you. Maybe in a situation this morning, you've never felt God give you a dream anyway. But for those of you who've had, maybe you've got a dream and then you're thinking, this is not going the way I expect it to go. And then not long after that, he's bought, oh sorry, he's, he's bought by Potiphar. So he's sold as a slave to this guy Potiphar who's wealthy, has a lovely house, and he becomes his slave. But what happens next is that God prospers him. He does a really good job. And that's important when you're going through the diamond. We'll talk about that later. He does a really good job. So God prospers him. So he ends up in charge of the household, which is kind of cool. If you know the story then, he's falsely accused and imprisoned. So if you remember the story, his wife takes a fancy for him. Uh, and when she approaches him, he runs away, she grabs hold of his clothes, and he runs away naked, and she's so embarrassed or annoyed, or I don't know where it is, but she accuses him of trying to rape her. So everybody believes it, bangs him away in prison. Where do you think he is right now on this? I mean, wouldn't you be, you're in prison, you're thinking, I had this dream, what on earth is going on? And maybe, maybe he's starting to imagine all sorts of alternatives. Well, maybe God didn't God isn't in control here. Maybe, maybe God just forgot me. Maybe God's, maybe I did something wrong and I don't know what I did. And God's just thought, no, no, no more, Paul. No more, Joseph. You're, that's it. Maybe, maybe let those thoughts go through your mind. Sometimes they go through my mind. Then what happens is in Genesis 39, he's prospered by God. In other words, God raises him up. And in this prison, he ends up serving the warden and running the prison. And then he interprets the cupbearer's and baker's dreams. So these fellow prisoners have dreams. He, they don't understand what these dreams mean. So he listens to the dreams. He tells them what they mean. One of them means they're going to get killed by the king. Another one, the pharaoh. Another one means that they're going to survive and be reinstated. And he says to them, when that happens, when you're reinstated, please tell, please tell the, the Pharaoh, please tell everybody about my gift. You ever done that? Like you feel like you have to let everybody know what God's done in you and what God, sometimes that's what happens. When you're a bit lost, you feel like you have to let everybody know. Hey, just remember, I've got this gift. Just make sure you tell people, won't you? What happens is they don't for a long, long time. I can only imagine what this guy's feeling. He gets this dream and over the years, and just so you understand, we're talking about about 13, maybe 14 years this is going on. So for 13 to 14 years, he's just going in this opposite direction. And then suddenly, the Pharaoh has a dream. The servant remembers, oh, there's this guy in prison I met. 
And he suddenly ends up going straight from prison right in front of Pharaoh. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, this is after Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dream, and I haven't got time to go through all the details, but it's a fascinating story, Genesis 37, 38 to 41. So Pharaoh says to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his finger, put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen, put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command, and people shouted before him, make way. That's a bit of a breakthrough, isn't it? <laughs> There's a bit of a change of fortune that happens there. And it happens almost, it seems, in an instant. For some people, they would probably look at Joseph and think, wow, here's this little whippersnapper, and he suddenly gets given this job just because he interprets a dream. No, there's so much more has been going on in his story. So much more has been happening. If you know the story at all, what you'll realize is that later on, he's again prospered by God. And in Genesis 45, he reveals himself to his family, and guess what they do? They bow down before him. And Joseph is exalted. He's made great, not for his own purpose, but so he can rescue God's people from famine. And God's people come into Egypt, and they're rescued, and God prospers them. Eventually, of course, what happens is he prospers them so much that there's a major problem, and uh, eventually it leads to the exodus from Egypt. But it's an incredible story how God raised up this one man, and he rescues an entire nation. But after his initial dream... Everything goes, as we say in England, pear-shaped. Or in this case, everything goes diamond-shaped. God made Joseph great in two different ways through this 13, 14-year process. First of all, Joseph was made great in his natural gift. You have natural gifts, don't you? You have natural gifts. There are certain things you are really, really good at. It's just the way you are. Well, well Joseph had them. So we know that he uh, was a great administrator for his father. If we look at um, certain parts of Genesis 37, it's implying that he, he's special in his father's household. And his father gives him some special responsibilities, sometimes to go and check up on the rest of his brothers, which is probably one of the reasons that made him so unpopular. But he's, he's clearly got this natural gifting uh, administration. But then, through this whole diamond thing, he then does it for a household, a wealthy household. And then he's trained and developed to do it for an entire governmental institute. And eventually, for the whole nation. So while Joseph is in this situation, not knowing what on earth is going on, he's actually in training because God has not forgot this. He's just not understood it yet. Does that make sense? There's also a supernatural element to this as well. So Joseph had a supernatural gift. You have a supernatural gift as well. If you know Jesus, he's given you gifts. Uh, the Bible talks about spiritual gifts. And he's, I don't know what they will be, but he will have given you some spiritual gifts. And, and they need exercising as well. So all gifts, whether they're natural or whether they're spiritual, are like muscles. You know, some of us were born with bigger muscles than others. Uh, but if you're born naturally with big muscles, but you don't exercise them, then eventually you're going to be a little bit of a wimp. If you were born like me, a wimp, but you exercise them, eventually, I'm not the right example right now, but eventually <laughs> what's going to happen is you're going to get bigger muscles and you're going to be stronger. So it's how you use these things is the key. So um, what's interesting about dream, dreams in, in the days of Joseph is they were taken far more seriously 
and they were actually very big business. Uh, someone could, who could interpret dreams could make an awful lot of money. So books on dream interpretation were some of the most expensive books you can buy. Don't you remember in the New Testament there's a place where some sorcerers sell their, uh, sorry, get rid of their books. They burn their books when they come to know the Lord. Some of those books would have had kind of this, this form of pagan dream interpretation. People would literally go and they would spend a night in a pagan temple if they were looking for direction from their God because they were hoping they would have a dream in that temple and that would be from God. And there were roughly four types or categories of dream. The first, I've already mentioned, was a simple message dream. So you have a dream and it's really obvious it's dead simple. So the type of dream would be when Paul the Apostle is in Europe and he has a dream of the man in Macedonia saying, hey, come over and share the gospel with us, straightforward. Then there's this second kind of dream, a simple symbolic dream. This is where you have a dream, but it's symbolic, but you kind of know what it means. Yeah, it's, it's symbolic, but you, you kind of know, I think I know what that means. And then there was what was called a complex symbolic dream. This kind of dream was symbolic and you needed an interpreter. You needed someone who had the gift. This is what they believed in these days. They needed someone who had a gift to interpret that dream and tell you what that dream meant. And there was one final um, type. So these are from Holman's uh, Bible Dictionary. Um, they also talk about this fourth one. I gave this uh, a phrase because he, he hadn't. But what you might call a royal complex dream. The difference here between a royal complex dream and a complex symbolic dream was when someone in position had a dream, it was seen as a message from God, not just for him, but for those he ruled over as well. So if you look at the life of Joseph, you see him growing in all these areas. At the very beginning of Genesis um, 37, it says, here's Joseph, that dreamer. So before he tells them these two dreams, He's already known within the family as the dreamer. So likelihood is he's told him he's had these dreams before. Then, of course, he has these two dreams which fit into the simple symbolic dreams. They're simple, they're symbolic, everybody gets it. People like wound up in this case, they're like, what are you telling us you're going to rule over us? They understand straight away. Thirdly, he comes up with complex symbolic dreams. These are the kind of dreams that the, the cupbearer and the baker uh, have. Uh, and they're complex, they don't know what they mean, and he interprets them for him. And then finally, Pharaoh has a dream. By then, he's been trained. He's been trained spiritually, but he's also been trained naturally. He doesn't have to try in the moment because he's been trained for 14 years. And one of the problems I'm oft often sharing in church and different places where I go is, we've got to stop trying and start training. What happens sometimes is waiting for that moment, for God to do that breakthrough thing, and then in that moment we're going to try. Actually, God's saying, I, I might wait a bit because you're not, you need to be trained. Now, there's a, a, a preacher in England who has this phrase. He says, God has not hidden things from us. He's hidden things for us. I'll probably mention that more in this series. So God is waiting, and, and at the right time, when we're in the right place, suddenly God just stoops down and lifts up Joseph and puts him in this place where God will use him in a phenomenal way. The great thing is that constantly through 13 and 14 years, there's been a repetition of disappointment and responsibility where he's proven himself and grown in faithfulness. 
And even though he wasn't doing what he thought the ultimate goal was, he was still faithful in everything he did. That's crucial for us, you know. That's crucial. If God's given you a dream, if God's given you a purpose, even if you're still waiting for some kind of dream and some kind of purpose, be faithful in what God has given you to do. Because he's working all things, as we heard this morning, all things for the good of those who love him. He has a plan, even if we've lost sight of it. And there may be things that God said to you, even when you first became a Christian, even in the early days, God gave you some thoughts or some ideas that you've, you've even forgotten. Maybe you made promises to God that you made years ago, and you've completely forgotten them. He's not, and he's still working on those promises. So the things you may have said to God, and you've completely even forgot he said it, he's actually put a plan in place for that to happen. And some of the things that are happening in our lives are in response to things we said to him years ago that we don't even remember anymore. So God has a plan, and God has a purpose, but why does he take us through this process? Remember the third part of that verse. You stoop down to make me great. You broaden the path beneath me so that my ankles do not turn over. Uh, when I was in England, one of the things we used to love to do was, was hike. Well, I used to love doing it, and Lynn just came with me. But we, we did a lot of hiking. And um, I, I know I've told you this a lot of times. I walked across England. When I walked across England, I, I, ideally, I couldn't afford it, but ideally, I needed two types of boots. So there's the flexible hiking boot, like the soft, some of you might even have them, like soft kind of like flexible hiking boots when you're walking over roads and you're just ambling over fields and little bits of hill walking. But then there are bits where you're climbing mountains. So in England, the route I took went over what are called fells. They're bigger than hills, but not quite Everest. You know, they're snow-capped sometimes, but they're rocky. And for them, those flexible hiking boots won't work because you'll turn your ankle and you could be stranded. And people die doing that on these fells. The, the wind comes in, the rain comes in, the winter comes in, and they've turned their ankle, they can't get down, and they die. So God uses these times to strengthen us. He gives us strength. He gives us experiences. He gives us training that we don't actually understand we really need. God has thought ahead of time, specific, uh, sorry, specifically ahead of your time, to plan a path for you that strengthens your ankles and avoids the slip-ups that you might otherwise make. And significantly, this particular kingdom pattern helps us avoid the blunders that are caused by something that many of us go looking for. What do many of us go looking for? Shortcuts. You not think? Shortcuts. There's a story I love. Of, um, I don't think I've told you this. There's a story I love of a, a barbershop, like a you say, we say mom and pop barbershop, just a family-owned barbershop in this small town. And um, things are going great. It's going fine. It's been there for 30, 40, 50 years. And then one day, this chain of hairdressers moves in. Uh, and they do the thing they do everywhere they go, which is they, they undercut the local barbers in a way a local barber can't. So every, everywhere they put billboards saying um, haircuts, Seven dollars. Um, perms. I'm guessing here. <laughs> seven dollars. <laughs> Blue rinses. Seven dollars. Okay, but that's basically what they do. You get the principle. Okay, and he starts to go out of business. So he, he says, "I need I need a consultant to help me know what to do here." So the consultant comes and says, "Okay, I've got a plan. You don't have much money, 
I want to hire the billboard immediately above your shop door window. So your shop door, is that okay? He, said, I, he says, I, I'm going to need all the savings you have for about a month. I'm going to put a sign up just above your barbershop door. And the guy says, okay, fair enough. So he does it. And the sign simply says, we fix $7 haircuts. Because what that does is it connects that thing that all of us know, which is that shortcuts and cheap, nasty ways forward don't work. But we still go for them, don't we? We're still looking for those shortcuts. And God has this plan. God has this purpose. God has this pattern where he's training us to be faithful in the things that he gives us, even though they might not be the thing we're pursuing right now. Uh, and one of my little phrases is we have to be careful when you get a vision of God, not a vision of vision. So when you get a vision of vision, you're motivated by that vision. If things go well, then you put the effort in. If things don't go so well, you don't put the effort in. And we're going to say, no, you have to put effort. W what is God giving you right now? What's that thing that someone's coming to you and saying, hey, can you do this for me right now? Well, well no, I can't do that because I'm waiting for this thing. Well, what if when Jesus went to Peter in the very early days, and said to him, just before he even called him to be a disciple, and said to Peter, hey Peter, I need your boat. What if Peter had said to Jesus, oh, uh, actually, uh, you know, it's busy, we've been washing things, we can't use that right now. Maybe a few years later, he'd have never had the opportunity to lead 2,000 people to Jesus. So what's your boat? What's that little thing, what's that small thing God's asking you and me to be faithful in? right now we'll become more strategically focused when we understand the thing that God has given us to do and our focus won't be on just a job to do it'll be on faithfulness being faithful with things that God has given us and knowing this pattern has helped me keep from being a bit narrow-minded when interpreting God's direction because it's helped me filter out what I thought God meant and factor in what he really had in mind. So simply put, I put a note to myself here. It'll keep you from being narrow-minded when interpreting God's direction from your life. And it'll prevent you from jumping to conclusions and taking a leap of faith into the wrong path. You have that expression, don't we, sometimes? People climb the ladder of success only to find out the ladder is leaning against the wrong wall. And that's what happens sometimes in our lives. But it can even happen in our lives spiritually. And so this morning, just as Ryan's going to come up and just, just play some music, what I thought we'd do is just um, spend just a couple of minutes on meditating on this. So I, I have um, another thing on this I'd like to do with us, um, which is what to do when you're at one of these places. But right now, I just thought it'd be good just for a couple of minutes just to uh, close our eyes and just think about a couple of questions. A couple of questions are this. Lord, what do I understand yet about this pattern? Is this a pattern you're taking me through? Another question, you, for some of you thinking, this, I just don't relate. I, I'm at this place where I, I didn't even have a dream. I, I didn't even know God's given me a dream. I, I wouldn't even know how to get a vision from God. And maybe that's something you could just begin to pray into. Lord, if you're in a place where, Lord, I, wanna, I want you to give me something. Give me a purpose. Then, then when we talk about this again, I'm going to share some thoughts on that, but maybe right now you could be asking God to give you some revelation. Maybe you feel right now you're, you're at this place and you're not really understanding why things are really happening. 
maybe at this place where you're thinking, well, it's there. You can rejoice because God has, has begun to narrow things down and you're, and you're doing the things that God has really called you. Well, usually quite a lot of other diamonds within it. So when I look back over 30 years, I can see this big picture diamond. But in seasons in my life as well, there's been these smaller diamonds where God's calling me, be faithful in the thing I've given you to do. So um, let, let's just ask these questions. We're just going to spend just a couple of minutes, Ryan, if that's okay. And Ryan's just going to play. And we're just going to be quiet and just ask these questions. Lord, what do I not yet understand about this pattern that you're taking me through? What's previously been hidden to me? Yes, Lord, we just um, thank you for the many stories of people's lives in the Bible where as they've been faithful with what you gave them to do, Lord, you've been faithful, you've exalted them into a position where you can use them to do great things. And Lord, as we just meditate on these, um, these scriptures, uh, on Joseph's life, as we just uh, kind of look at this pattern as simple as it is, I pray, Lord, you would speak to us, give us clarity. Help us understand where you're leading us. Maybe begin to help us understand the journey that you put us on. And particularly this morning, I pray you'd help us to be faithful in what we have to do right now. Lord, for those who um, don't feel they have any kind of dream or purpose or plan, uh, I would pray, Lord Jesus, you would just um, reveal that to them. Um, for those who don't feel that they can be great for you, Lord, I pray you would give them that encouragement and that challenge that they can. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen.